0: This is who we are. Welcome to the Tabletop
1: Inventing Podcast. Does being a drummer really correlate to strong logical skills? How important is reading books to success? How important is application in the learning process? Listen in for the answers in today's podcast. Hey there, Innovation Nation. If you don't know what LOL is, I bet your kids do. Our guest today has helped companies like Riot Games, the XPRIZE Foundation, and Hollywood's The Rap craft great-looking websites. In our interview, Tom referenced a great quote by the late Stephen Covey from his book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. In the book, he says, Remember, to learn and not to do is really not to learn. To know and not to do is really not to know. I'm the poster child for this quote. Every time I learn something, I want to find out if it really works. My problem is that I read and learn so much. Yet the wisdom is backed by some of the best educational theory. There are probably hundreds if not thousands of papers on the subject of applying knowledge and the value of application there is no substitute for trying an idea if we want it to stick. We see the value of this every year in our Inventors Bootcamp summer program for teens. Just a couple weeks ago, we had our first Inventors Boot Camp of the year, and I remember vividly a girl named Claire. She was trying to understand how to wire up and use her team's impact sensor, which measures the change of pressure with time. And I could tell that my words were quickly making her eyes roll back in her head. So I encouraged her just to try the computer code and see what would happen. She tinkered with it for, oh, five or 10 minutes. And then I heard my favorite sound. Oh, and a second later, I get it. That is so cool. This experience gets played out dozens of times every week during the Inventors Bootcamp because we let kids use technology and get their hands on it. If you'd like to find out more about Inventors Bootcamp, Visit ttinvent.com and click on the Inventor's Bootcamp button. And now, let's introduce Tom Friedhoff. Tom's company, ActiveLamp, creates beautiful, intuitive websites for some very well known brands. Yet, he didn't get his start in the coding world in the normal fashion. Let's get the story from Tom. So, my guest today is Tom Friedhoff, and Tom started a little company here called ActiveLamp. And ActiveLamp is a software and web development company. You may recognize some of their clients. Uh, Riot Games is one of their clients, and they have specifically worked with the LOL Esports portion of their platform. They have also uh, done web work for AARP uh, with the createthegood.org website, and also with the XPRIZE Foundation. So they are a very impressive group of people. Tom, tell us a little more about yourself and about your company. Steve. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so
0: we've been in business for about 10 years. We've got eight people full-time on staff and then a few contractors that we, we keep around for month to month to just handle the overflow work. And, yeah, we've very much been a development shop, I guess, for our whole tenure. And so for 2015, we're actually branching into a new space, which is digital marketing. Yeah, so on top of doing the development that we've been doing, uh, for the years we will actually start doing some digital marketing as well. So our goal for 2015 is really to become full service. You know up until now we've really just been the development arm for uh, agencies that have approached us and uh, when they approach us they've typically already had the strategy done the design done and then if they're doing any marketing done they've they've got that in mind and we've really just done the engineering and so yeah that one of the goals for us this year is to is to branch out and actually offer the full package, the full service for our clients
1: so is it just eight years does this experience go back a little further than that or
0: yeah I I had a previous company as well pretty much doing the same thing but the active lamp brand we I started that back in the end of 2005 so we're going on our uh, 10th year actually I guess we finished our 10th year going on our 11th year
1: so how did you end up in coding like was this something you did like did you go to college for this or how did you end up there
0: yeah so I guess it, it was kind of by accident for me. I When I graduated high school, I wasn't very much into going to college or the whole educational system at all. And I moved away for a while, did Drum and Bugle Corps, and that took me away to San Jose, California, which, as you know, is the Silicon Valley. And one of my roommates actually offered me at the time an AOL account, and I didn't know what, what the heck I would do with an AOL account. It's like, what do I need to get online? <laughs> and so that was my first exposure to... I guess technology, well I guess my first internet exposure obviously with computers being around uh, through my childhood you know I got on the computer every once in a while but as far as the internet back in 1998 getting my first AOL account was my first experience to the internet but what really got me into the web was I came home to, uh, to visit my parents and my best friend all through junior high and high school was going to BBC and took an HTML class and he showed me a website that he built and he opened up an Internet Explorer, it was on the web, and I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. And so I asked him how he learned HTML, and he showed me the book that he bought. And so when I went back to San Jose, you know, I was, I was only down here for a short period of time, went back to San Jose, went to Barnes & Noble, and basically every night after work, I'd go to Barnes & Noble and just read more and more of that book until I finally actually bought the book. And then from there, I used my roommate's computer and learned how to write HTML. And that's kind of how it started. And so when I got into programming, I moved back here to Victorville from San Jose back in 2000, I believe it was. And I ended up enrolling in a JavaScript class at uh, VBC. And programming was much more difficult than HTML. And I was just kind of surprised by that. And I I remember sitting there trying to learn JavaScript thinking, oh, my gosh, I could never sit behind a computer eight hours a day and do this because it's just, it's so hard. It's so, you know, it just, I wasn't grasping, you know, the concepts of, of what I was trying to learn. And at that same time, there was a company called Integrity Online that was hiring out here in Hesperia. And so I applied for that job and there, were, I think they probably had about 30, you know, it was a call center job. So we were doing tech support, but there were about 30 people there at the at the call center. All with varying levels of expertise in just uh, technologies, you know, so some sysadmins, some programmers. And so through that job, I just kind of acted like a sponge and took as much information as I could from everybody at this organization and just at night went home and tried to do everything that I was learning through the day just through casual conversation because our job wasn't programming, it was tech support. It was helping people get connected with their dial up modems. And so uh, at that time, I realized that like this was a huge passion of mine, technology. I found that I really loved it and really started learning how to program at that point. My first language was PHP. I didn't really go back into JavaScript until years later, so I started learning PHP,
1: and that's kind of how it started. Wow. So that's kind of a circuitous route on how to get into programming. <laughs> 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 so is that sort of typical in the programming world, that, that people enter from some other place, or is that uh, unusual? I think as you get older, I think it's more typical
0: to kind of land in it, you know, either by a passion or like a, uh, or by needing to actually get into it. Say, for example, I know a lot of my friends that are in the space now, they were, you know, maybe the marketing person for whatever company, and they had a little bit of technical experience. So that company said, hey, we need a website, you need to start learning how to build websites. And so they got to it, into that by accident but you know they went to school for communications they didn't they didn't have any formal training in technology but i would say for younger kids people that are right out of high school going to college I would definitely recommend that you go through a more institutionalized process of getting up to speed with programming, especially because you're young and you have the time. You haven't joined the rat race yet <laughs> of needing to pay for your mortgage if you bought a house or or rent if you got an apartment. You you don't need to pay for food. You know you're pretty much still in the comfort of uh, you know your parents' bubble. So uh, I wouldn't say that I would do it over again in how I learned programming, but if I would have had that direction when I was younger that hey this is something that is feasible and that you could be passionate about I would have definitely gone to school for four years or five years and got a computer science degree and done it that way because what I'm finding in my later years is even though I'm picking these concepts up as I need them I realize that there are holes in the knowledge that I have with with certain technologies and where things came from so if I would have gone through a computer science process through through college I would assume that I would have a much better base to stand on. I wouldn't have so many holes as I was trying to, you know, pick up new technology. It might be quicker to pick up new technology
1: with a stronger base. So I have a question, you know, just looking back a little further. What were you interested in in schools, you know, as you came through uh, elementary school, middle school, high school? I mean, what were you focused on at that point? You know, I didn't really know
0: what I wanted to be. I remember in elementary school... I think it was maybe my fifth grade teacher, you know, asked, okay, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I remember back then there was a lot of construction going on, and so I'd see a lot of people building homes, and I wanted to be a construction worker. <laughs> and, and my teacher would say, well, no, maybe you want to be an architect, and, you know, I didn't know what I wanted to be really, so I guess I didn't really have that direction to think about, you know, what I wanted to be. I know when I got into high school, I started taking drafting because I said, okay, you know, maybe I do want to be an architect, so... I did, I think, three or four years, maybe all four years, I did drafting and drew bridges and drew drew homes and drew little mechanical parts because I, I felt that that's where I wanted
1: to go. But it definitely wasn't in software when I was younger. So what was it about that first website that you saw with your friend? Like What was it that, that hooked you that was so cool about that? I think it was the fact
0: that he had something on the Internet that everybody in the world could see. I mean, obviously nowadays it's so easy to publish on the internet, right? You can go to GoDaddy or WordPress.com and go publish a blog on the internet without any technical expertise. Back in 1998, it was a little bit more difficult. I mean, it was more, you know, Facebook wasn't around, MySpace wasn't around. A lot of people just weren't doing that. So the fact that I saw he had a webpage online talking, he was a Star Wars fan, so talking about Star Wars, and it was published for everybody on the internet to see. I thought was just amazing and you know I wanted to be a part of that. Just get into the technology just so we I can have a space online.
1: So when did this go from being a hobby to being a vocation or a, a career? Can you think of a time yeah. when that shifted?
0: Yeah, so I was working for the internet service provider in tech support and at that time that's when I bought my first computer and I remember because, so this was now the year 2000, and I remember just previously two years prior to that when my friend that you know, was doing the HTML, I remember making fun of him for buying a computer you know, and <laughs> not putting that money into like a car stereo. It's Like, why would you buy a computer? <laughs> and so in the year 2000, I, I ended up getting my first computer, and that was a big purchase for me. I, I would say it was between $1,500 and $2,000 for this first computer. And at that point, I said, okay, I need to actually re- a return on this investment. So at that point, I started a company called Vanguard Web Creations. And Vanguard actually is the is the name of the drummel Bugle Corps that I was part of in those previous years from 97 through 99. So I started that company and I ended up getting a website, getting a customer to trust me to build their website. And so I built my first website, I think for $1,000. And I was like, whoa, this computer is like halfway paid off. (laughs) You know, maybe I can do this again and and continue to do this. And that's kind of where, uh, you know, I got the bug to actually do this professionally.
1: At what point did you turn it from one or two customers into a sort of full-time business? Was that shortly thereafter or did that take a little time? I didn't go full-time
0: without like working for somebody until 2003. So for three years from there, it was just working my day job, and then as I heard people needed web services, I was there to help. And I wasn't making a lot of money doing the web services. I for sure wouldn't be able to sustain myself fully on just doing the web work. So it did take a little bit of time to get that done, or to be able to, to do it on our own. And in 2003, I ended up partnering up with a friend of mine at the time, and and through that relationship, we were able to do a little bit more and offer more services to to other clients. And and it was at that point that I was able to actually quit my day job and I was actually working for a mortgage bank at that time as their IT director. So doing, I mean, it was a pretty cush job, right? Just making sure that I think they had 15 offices, four main corporate offices, just making sure that all the infrastructure was up and that there, I think they had maybe 400 employees, that every all the employees were functioning and could work on a day-to-day basis. So it was a pretty cush job. But in 2003, I ended up taking the leap, and my business partner and I basically got a large software project for an organization, and we built that out. And yeah, that's 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 where I took the leap. So did the contract come first, or did the leap come first? The the contract definitely came first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess there's two trains of thought to that, right? There's a lot of risk in in taking the leap before the contract, and you know, at this point, that was my first experience out of working for somebody at this point I'm prone to take more risks you know I'm prone to take bigger risks where I don't need to reap a return on my investment for several months maybe not even for a year before I go into a specific space or a new segment but at that time all I knew was working for somebody getting a consistent paycheck every two weeks so it was a lot harder to take that risk for me to, to make that jump before I actually knew what it felt like how scary was that it wasn't that scary because the, the software project I well so the software project back in that day seemed like a very big deal. And it was like, Whoa, you know, this is awesome. We're gonna be able to go pretty far with the investment that this organization is putting into us. And so I guess through just being naive about the situation, it wasn't that scary. You know, nowadays, looking at the investment that we actually got from that project, it probably would have been a lot more scary today to make that move just because of what I know now to make that leap. But back then, you know, I think it just it, it happened at the right time. I didn't have as much experience in the in the software world to know any better, I guess.
1: And so, so at the time, it wasn't that scary. Have you done anything along the way to prepare you more for the business side or prepare you more for the sales side or prepare you more even in your programming or yeah. technical side? What like what kind of things do you do along the way to stay sharp? Yeah, that's a good question.
0: So one of the things that happened, and so act- the reason why ActiveLamp started in, at the end of 2005 was because the partnership that uh, I had had dissolved in 2005 with my previous business partner, and that was kind of a turning point for me in my professional life in that I've been at the time doing web work and and programming professionally for five years, full time for about two and a half years, and I really felt that like there was just a better way to do what you know I was doing. And so before I jumped into really getting more clients when I started ActiveLamp, I jumped into reading business books and just saying, okay, how can I function better, right? And so. I would say probably the first book that I read, I believe it was The E-Myth Revisited, you know, talking about the entrepreneur, the manager, and the technician. You know, and then I just continued to read books after that. You know, I think it was Good to Great Next. There's a book called Getting Things Done, you know, learning that whole process. And and so I really invested my time in just reading business books. Actually, a very influential one that I read at the time was The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. That's a fantastic book, actually for sure and like I still reference that book quite a bit even 10 years later that's that's the, a definitely must read if you want to get just your business thinking hat on and and how to just really communicate with people
1: so compare the experience of learning So you've kind of talked about three different contexts in which you learned things the formal context where you were learning at in middle school and high school mm-hmm. is one context and then you have this context where suddenly things were new and exciting and you learn because it was something you just desperately wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And then you have this third context over here where uh, suddenly you're placed into a position where you don't know how to do something and you've got to figure it out. So compare the the learning in those three environments for you.
0: Yeah, I would definitely say that the school aspect of things, you know, I wasn't that fond of. So even when I, so going through high school, you know, I I don't think I was a very good student. I mean, the, the classes that I really enjoyed the most I guess were the ones that were the most fun for me. Drafting was actually pretty fun for me. And then I was in band, I was, I'm was i a drummer. So that was a, a lot of fun for me. But other than that, you know, I didn't really care to go to economics or government or any of the other classes. It was just like something that I had to do. Getting into the, the programming aspect of things, I just like to solve problems and see through code what you could do code. So one of my first applications that I wrote in PHP, I was, so after I had graduated high school, I became a drum instructor for uh, the drum line that I graduated from. And one of the first applications that I wrote was basically a roster system on a website called learn <laughs> And so I still own that domain. I don't do anything with it. But basically the kids that I was teaching, you know, I told them, Hey, if you don't know anybody's phone number, go to learn drumnet you're going to be able to see the whole roster. And if you type their name in at the top, it'll actually search them and find just that person so you don't have to go through the entire roster and scroll through. And so that was just out of necessity and out of wanting to solve a problem, I basically taught myself PHP and MySQL to be able to handle that. And so that aspect of learning was very much on the basis of wanting to solve a real problem you know, and also to learn technology. I mean, I still learn technologies just for the sake of learning technology, but most of the time when I'm learning a new technology, it's because I want to solve a very specific problem. Because one of the things that, I think this comes from the seven habits of highly effective people, but Stephen Covey would say to know and not to do is really not to know. Interesting. And so I really took that to heart. When I learn technology, I have to apply that technology somewhere. Otherwise, I'm going to learn it and it's going to go away and I'm going to have to relearn it when I actually do need to apply it. And so with technology being so vast, you have to be very selective about the tech that you want to learn. And so the tech that I learn is the tech that I'm going to use right away. With the business side of things, although it wasn't something that was that interesting to me, like as I learned more of it, it became very interesting to me because at that point I realized that you can work smarter not harder and so just through the process or just through understanding what these other guys are are saying in terms of like how to structure your business they've pulled this knowledge from years and years of research and just talking to other businesses you know, if I didn't read those books, I would be figuring this stuff out on my own, and it would take twice, three times, maybe ten times longer than it should be. So just getting that insight of what's working for businesses and how you should structure your business was a very interesting concept. And here at Active Lamp, I mean, right now we have so much process in place that allows us to work effectively that we're able to get a lot done, even with the small team that we have. Yeah, I can go deeper into what we do, but I don't know. If you want to, but we have an agile methodology. And so if you're into software development, definitely look up the agile methodology, but that's kind of what we do here along with other uh, processes. But process for sure is key.
1: And so you set those things up on purpose because of the books that you read and the things that you had been learning, or that was just something you naturally did?
0: Yeah, I guess it's kind of both, right? So the books definitely kind of planted the seed, but we did have an explicit need for getting better at what we were doing. So it was kind of, I mean, they worked hand in hand. Like the books that I've read, you know, talk about process and, you know, how you should think about things. And then you basically, through that context, you know, I could see the dysfunction in how we were actually operating. And so through our explicit need, we would set up the functions or set up the processes that what I've read was applying.
1: Interesting. Well, I'm going to take a left-hand turn on you. We'll wrap it up here in a in a minute or two. But you're uniquely positioned to answer the first question we always like to ask, you know, which is in the digital age, we can go look stuff up on Google, we can you know, go to Wikipedia, YouTube, and there's so much information out there. Mm-hmm. In that context, what does it mean to be quote educated? Like what does that word educated mean in terms of yeah. this context?
0: Well, coming from somebody that doesn't have a formal education <laughs> you know, I guess I, I you know, I'm not the best person to answer that. I mean I would just say that, you know, you can educate yourself, you know, with Google, with all the learning systems that are out online. Now you don't have to go get a formal education to learn the tech to get educated uh, in the tech space. And just through my experience with others in this space that went to school for something completely different right they got educated in something that isn't what they actually do in the tech space you know that kind of just speaks to how you can get educated online and on the internet and in the comfort of your own home you know you don't necessarily have to go through a four year program at university now if you're young go through a four year program at university but if you're already in the workforce, mid-20s, you know, and beyond, definitely educate yourself online and just and throw yourself in there and, and just start solving problems.
1: That's an interesting perspective. And I was going to ask you to go back and, and compare those two, but you did it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the last question we like to ask is more of a philosophical question. And, you know, you've got some people who are working for you here. And, you know, so you think a little bit about how the people that are walking in your door to work for you, you know, what kinds of things you'd like them to be able to do, or how you'd like them to think about things. Mm-hmm. But when you think about an education, you know, we, we throw that word around a lot, you know, it's certainly a big political word, but it's but we don't stop to consider very often, what is the purpose of an education? Why do we have this whole system out there? Well, what's the purpose of all of that?
0: You know, in my mind, you know, getting your education is kind of like training, right? So I would say... The, the whole purpose of the education system is to get somebody ready for the workforce. And so actually a prime example uh, of this is I have three kids that are in a private school right now, and next year we're actually going to start homeschooling them because we felt that the, the school wasn't necessarily preparing them for what they're going to face you know, 10 years from now when they get out of school, but my kids are young, 10, 8, and 6. And so one of the things that we're going to do, we're going to start doing next year. I actually just bought three Chromebooks uh, for my young kids, so they're only $150 a piece, so they're, it's not a, not a huge investment. But I'm going to start training my kids on how to actually type and how to work through logic programs, you know, on their Chromebooks. Because I want to prepare them for technology when they get into the real world. The private school that my kids were going through, their computer lab had, you know, 10, 15-year-old computers and nobody actually visited the computer lab and so that was definitely something that I wasn't happy with when it came to how my kids were getting prepared so with that said I mean the reason why we pulled them out is so that we could prepare them for what they're going to experience when they get out uh, in the real world which is technology right and so They're young. As the years go on, we'll figure out what it is that they're interested in doing and then hopefully be able to fine-tune their curriculum to their passions and what they want to do when they get out into the real world. So I very much think that if the education system could change, that it changes towards what the vocation is for the person that is going to come out of that school. Whatever it is that they're going to do, we should tailor their curriculum to
1: that. Well, thank you so much, Tom, for taking time to interview with us. What's the best way for our audience to get in touch with you? We're online. Our website is activelamp.com.
0: You can also check out, uh, we're on all the social media channels. You can check us out on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, you name it. We're there. Just look for
1: Active Lamp and uh, you'll find us there. Excellent. Thank you, Tom. Yeah, thanks, Steve. If you've been enjoying the conversations and insights here on the podcast, share it with a friend. Great ideas demand to be shared. You can also help fellow parents and educators by subscribing to the Tabletop Inventing podcast in iTunes, leaving a rating and writing a review. If you use Android, subscribe, leave us a rating and write a review in Stitcher. Links to subscribe can be found at www.ttinvent.com. podcast Contact us and we'll think through the comments and answer your questions here in the podcast. And be sure to let us know if you'd like a shout-out or to remain anonymous. You can share your comments and questions at www.ttinvent.com slash podcast or by emailing us at podcast at ttinvent.com. Let's discuss your thoughts and questions. Join us again next time when we will again seek to answer the question, what is the purpose of an education? And as educators, how do we awaken the inventor in each of our students?